0: Hello, everyone. Well, no, it's just the three of us. Um, It's the rabbi, and it's me, his favorite priest. And then we also have a man with a beautiful beard. And that is Todd Porter. So, Reverend Matthew Durbin, what the heck are we talking about today? Because I am just still staring at your hair.
1: (laughs) I think we're looking at uh, ways in communities and throughout our own culture and our own society where we're able to use ways of communication that are uh, not threatening, that are informative, that really empower people to listen to one another and see people where they are, as as, as you rightfully quote uh, panim al panim, face to face, to actually have these difficult conversations with the acknowledgement that um, my voice is valid, and my my voices, my voices needed to be heard. So we're looking at nonviolent ways of communication.
0: And I, yeah, and I think nonviolent communication. We're going to find out from from our guest here, Todd Porter. It's it this this is communication that's not meant. I'm not going into this to try to change you or try to win this argument. I'm going in to try to hear you and understand you and really really make a connection with you. Because um, you think about all those really weird conversations where the opposite happened and like, well, I'm just going to put that person in that category. We're not gonna be able to go deep because we have some pretty severe disagreements and now there's division, right? Maybe a slight one, right? But they're kind of weird. So let's not go there. Um, We don't want that to happen as people of faith. We are just always trying to explore this, the great relationship that God gives us with one another and with him. um, And and how do we remove these barriers? And so that, does that mean we just don't talk about hot topics? We don't talk about race. We don't talk about politics. We don't talk about healthcare. We don't talk about the wall, whatever. Um, or, Or can we, and love one another through it and, and really hear one another. Um, so we will have, <laughs> we will have reverend, not reverend Todd Porter, but he is revered. Um, and he's very reverend. Um, Mr. Todd Porter. So Todd, uh, you just flew in via zoom here to a priest and a rabbi. Are you ready to rock and roll for this podcast?
2: Yeah, let's do it,
0: man. Um, re- uh, I keep on going to call you reverend just cause you're just so reverent. Um, so, so Todd, is um a member of the United States Christian Leadership Organization. He's also a, an incredible musician. Um, I don't know if he's incredible, but I'm assuming he does because he has a lot of amazing equipment behind him. And you're either just a poser or you really know what you're doing with all that equipment. Because I doubt his family would allow him to invest that much money in equipment if he wasn't using it well. Um, that's all for another podcast. This one is all about nonviolent communication. And we look forward to blast off in five, four, three, two. All right, guys, let's have some fun. One. Here we go.
3: A priest, a rabbi, a priest, a rabbi. The opinions you hear from on this show do not represent WSTU, since they probably regretted over allowing the show on the air in the first place. Nor do they represent Temple Beth Haim or St. Mary's Episcopal Church, since they also wonder what the heck they did when they called these two men to lead their respective congregations. On that note, sit back, relax, grab your Bible or a Torah, and enjoy another episode of A Priest. And a rabbi.
0: All right, all right. Good morning, everybody out there in Steard, Florida. This is your favorite Episcopal priest, maybe? Uh, this is Father Christian here at A Priest and A Rabbi, and next to me is always the most dashing Richard Gere-esque rabbi. You have seen this side of the Jordan River. He is dashing. He is beautiful, but he is Married ladies. His name is Rabbi Matthew Durbin over at Temple Bechayim. I'm over at St. Mary's Episcopal Church. Together we make a priest and a rabbi, and we are so happy to be here with you on 1450 a.m. You can call in to ask us things. What is your biggest question for this Judeo Christian power couple that we've seen out there uh, by calling 772 220 9788? Seven seven two 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 zero nine seven eight eight. Our wonderful producer Evan seven eight nine will pick up the phone and he will sit there and he will also pray with you, and then um, he will uh, direct your call. So today, Mister Rabuni, Mister Rabbi, um, we're going to try to not talk violently with one another. Isn't that true?
1: So, so, so yes. But um, you know, I I don't know if you're
0: aware. Today actually is a very special and important day. It is. It it, it, it is it's, it's a it's a very important Friday so so um I don't know if you're aware of it
1: but um a hundred episodes ago we started our first one two years ago today no um, one. this is our two-year anniversary of uh, of a priest and a rabbi
0: Oh my gosh, man! Well, we should have had Evan decorate the studio today and put yeah, like a cake. a cake and a different, you know, member memorabil- of you know regalia for the Judeo-Christian power couple that we are. We're like maybe, maybe, wedding
1: maybe, cake. Maybe WSU will 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 um, um, give us gratis uh, t-shirts that say priest and a rabbi.
0: Uh, that, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. Yeah, we will. We, we, we will do this. All right. Well, we'll talk to uh, our, our wonderful producer, Evan, the voice of the New York Yankees. I mean, Mets, um, who will talk to the higher ups and get us those T-shirts. So for everyone out there, welcome to our 200th episode here. And we are so happy. We are just, I'm so happy in this relationship. You're the one who remembers all our anniversaries. You're the one who remembers all the times that we've had together. Um Rabbi, so for that, I thank you now, is that the same in your marriage with with your lovely wife? Are you the one who remembers all the dates or is she the one?
1: um there's a little bit of both we 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 both remember
0: have you ever missed an anniversary no, okay have you ever missed a birthday the first date any of that important stuff do you guys celebrate your first date no no we okay how long have you been married uh what day is it? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. In, um, in 10 days, it will be uh, 12 years. Holy cow. All right. So you've got me over four times over. So you are my elder. I look to you for marriage advice from this point forward. And Anastasia and I will go to see you and Rabbi Rose for marital advice. One thing we're going to want to ask about is how do you do this nonviolent communication thing? Listen, you know, I just want to say, Um, I had a parishioner who was on a big webinar last night with the Royal Wedding Priest, your favorite, the Anglican uh, priest. He is the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, Michael Curry. You remember him? He presided over the Royal Wedding. Anyhow, so he was on a big He has a new book out. And guess what he talked about last night? Guess what he talked about last night? Nonviolent communication. Nonviolent communication. And, And I had a parishioner reach out to me and say, I want to thank you and the rabbi we're talking about nonviolent communication and having Todd Porter on your show tomorrow, because this is really important stuff. Mm. And I was like, okay. So listen, do you and rabbi, I mean, do you and rabbi Rose communicate? Well, do you think do you guys mm-hmm. communicate nonviolently? Yep. Uh, Has she ever thrown a dish at you?
1: Uh, not a dish. Okay.
0: Parkies, maybe Parchy a pair what? Parchi's. Oh, car keys. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I get it. I get it. All right. Well, so all this to say is we got, we got Todd Porter on that. Todd Porter, this is a follow-up to last week's show. Last well, week's show, we had Todd Porter's partner um, in, in not, I don't want to say a crime, partner in saving the world, um, who is the Reverend Steve Miller from the Christian, uh, the United States Christian Leadership Organization, the USCLO, um, also referred to as USCLO. And they, they, their, their approach to taking on um, some of the weightiest topics that can really turn violent in verbosity in our country, um, they, they are saying, listen, we have a better way of doing this. And uh, two of the keys to that is empathic listening um, and uh, nonviolent communication. Those are the tools. Now, it's the, the, the way we do it, it's all through the love that God gives us um, and the love that we have for one another. And that is key. If you don't have love for one another, it just comes crashing down. Um, you see all the different... The, the rough ways of communicating that we see online, that we see in debates recently, these are our models that we look to and all we see is violent communication. And that is the inspiration that goes to our children, it goes to us, it's it's, it's bad news bears. Um, so we hope that the church, the temple, the mosque, whomever can be the guide of how do we really truly communicate with compassion and love and understanding. And today um, we have another, another than the uh, COO of the United States Christian Leadership Organization, who has uh, given his life to this uh, to this work. Um, he is a man of many trades, though, including he is coming in all the way from his own studio right now, where he's surrounded by musical instruments. Um, it is Mr. Todd Porter. Uh, Todd, it is good to have you here. Welcome to A Priest and A Rabbi.
2: Hello, and good morning. I'm grateful for the chance to visit with you both and the folks that are listening with you.
0: Now, I just got to say, um, so, so Todd... Todd's demeanor and approach is like a 180 from Reverend Steve, you know, like Reverend Steve came out. It looked like he had a bathrobe on, you know, but it was just a real nice, big puffy white sweater. And he's just like, he's like, man, I've been waiting for two weeks for this. I'm ready to go. You know, he like, he just ate like eight power bars and drank two coffees. And then then he told me, he's like, Todd's going to be the opposite energy of me. And Todd comes on and he's like, he's like the most chill Buddha Christian you've ever met before. You know? And he's just like, this is the guy. For nonviolent communication, this is the guy, because he's going to really communicate nonviolently. Um, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you for coming on. Um, and um, listen, you know, tell us a little bit about what, what you do over at the United States Christian Leadership Organization.
2: Yeah, so Steve and I are quite the contrast. Our skin is a different color, as you might have, have observed right, right, and have very different temperaments. And I think that makes for a good team because uh, our strengths that we bring to the table really support the work that we're doing uh, in terms of those high energy conversations uh, with people all over the place, man, I'm an introvert. I don't want to go do that. Uh, and, and partnering with somebody like Steve, who is both passionate um, has, has given deep thought, deep investigation to what are, what's at the bottom of this, uh, racial tension that exists in our country. And how can we move forward in the love of God to resolve that tension? But more than just resolve it, right? More than just coexist. How how can we all thrive? And so, my role at USCLO is to sort of manage details in our oral history project. I, I teach about empathetic listening, I teach about some media. Capturing so some technical work that I do there, and then help keep all the pieces working together of the organization. So okay. that's kind of the long and short. And I'm really grateful for the chance to visit with you about nonviolent communication and the way we use it both within the organization and out and about in the world with the and people we serve.
1: And, and and Todd, how did you how did you come about to, you know, be with the organization? What's you know where where has your life taken you to take that step or to, to, you know, to be where you are today?
2: Yeah. Thank you, Rabbi. I I grew up in Oklahoma and uh, you know, when when, growing up, I learned about history like you do in school and learned about the civil rights movement in the sixties and kind of the impression I came away with was yeah, we did that. And it's, it's done and we're all equal now. And it it was this gradual dawning that that might be the story we're telling ourselves, but the reality, especially for people of color is a very different story. And so I began to listen to the stories of people of color and realized those are very different from my story. Whereas here's an example. I've had a couple of interactions with the police force in various points. Most of the time I was doing something wrong and most and all the time I expected to be treated fairly and justly and that it would work out well for me. As I've talked with Reverend Miller and other friends of color, I've learned that that's not their expectation, that it's an experience of fear where they're wondering if they're going to survive those interactions. And there's, evidence that supports that fear and so especially as we made decisions and and campaigned through the 2016 election season it became more and more clear to me that we have not addressed this that as reverend miller says the laws may change behavior but as long as the heart is unchanged this is not quite how he says it but i'm going to say we're still in trouble
0: Right, right. So tell us a little bit more about what exactly the Listening Project does then to help with this movement of, of really hearing each other's stories so we can help change hearts and, and not just depend upon the laws.
2: Yeah, so the HBCU Oral History Project convenes students from historically Black college and colleges and universities, and currently we're doing that in Texas. So it, there's uh, seven partner organizations, partner HBCUs, as well as uh, Baylor University and their Institute for Oral History and the City University of New York, who uh, convene teams of interviewers. We provide training in empathetic listening using nonviolent communication uh, so that those students can then gather in a central location. So far, we've done this in the first year in Houston. That was 2017. 2018, we gathered in Austin. And 2019, we gathered in San Antonio. 2020, we all celebrated COVID on our own, or mourned it, as the case may be, uh, and so didn't get to gather and do our oral history project. It was scheduled for for Wiley College in East Texas. <clears throat> So what we do in these gatherings, right, we've done training in advance. We invite people from the community through a variety of marketing approaches, but invite people from the community. If you have an experience of racism, of racial trauma, come on this day between these times and share that with somebody. And so we've got students of color and people of color who uh, the students interview the people from the community and we record those interviews, we archive them for academic research, and we also share them on the internet with the permission of the storytellers. And so you can you can go to usclo.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, there's a link to the Oral History Project, and you can browse the videos there. And we also have a YouTube channel, and I can provide those links to you after the show.
0: Yeah, we'll drop all those um all those links into the show notes as well. So um this this show, if everyone's just tuning in right now, um this is a priest and rabbi and uh we we also podcast this whole episode. So if you missed this or you want to get the last episode where we had Reverend Steve Miller on, you can always uh, just go to a priest and a rabbi podcast, which is on all the platforms and subscribe. Uh, again, if you have any questions here for Todd Porter, uh, the number here is seven seven two 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 zero nine seven eight eight. Um so uh, Todd and, and so what propelled you so I, I it seemed like for you that there, there was a, re- a realization for you where you're like something is off here um where we're not there's not an equal playing field for everyone and it sounds like you wanted to now do something about it and, and not just observe but get into the trenches is that is that, is that an, an appropriate way to put it
2: yeah that's the truth of it that I realized that um, my experience as a result of the color of my skin, open doors of opportunity, open doors of safety, open doors of freedom of movement that people without this skin color I have or a shade close to it don't experience. And I am just not okay with that. As a follower of Jesus, I I want to embody his example in the world. And his example was inclusive and loving and aimed at justice for one and all. And that my experience was so different, I, I found fundamentally unjust, and I said, okay, I've got to use what I've been given for the benefit of other people, and this is a good place to get started.
0: So, so what I'm hearing you say is that your work in this field is not a social justice thing. It's not just a do-gooder thing. This is about you following your faith, about following the leader of your faith, Jesus Christ. This is why you do what you do.
2: That is exactly what I do. He said, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and release for the oppressed. And he said, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing to the people he was reading to in the synagogue. And so he he said, this is what I'm about. And so my upbringing as a, as a Christian and in a Christian home, My dad was a minister, spent a lot, I've listened to a lot of sermons in my life and they all point toward this example of what I just said. And that if you want to name yourself as a Christian, if you want to follow Jesus, what you're about is whatever Jesus was, is, and will be about. And so Reverend Miller calls this biblical justice that it's, it's, Uh, social justice may be an implication of it, but what we're trying to do is live into the kingdom of God. Jesus prayed your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I view my job as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus to live into that reality. And in a sense, become the answer to Jesus prayer through the Holy spirit working in me and the power of God enabling
0: me. It's a, it's a, um, you said you've heard a lot of sermons, but I'm sure you could deliver one heck of a sermon, man. And and your style of how you do, it will be a lot different than from the uh, a, a vociferous, big, broad uh, of sermons that we often hear, like the obnoxious ones I deliver. Uh, but but I think yours will be uh, probably even more powerful because it's going to be very subtle, but hit you with uh, the truth of really what it means mm. to be a person of faith and who we're following and how we're supposed to act. Um, and... Um, that that's, that's a very very inspiring. So, all right. So Reverend Todd, let's let, let's get to the meat of this work though. Um, just even some of the words you said before of why you do this, um, and talking about the inequalities out there, and just inequalities in let's say our country right here because of the color of skin. That uh, that right there is going to butt up against some pushback. I mean, not I don't think everyone is going to agree with you, and I think we've seen that recently where um, uh, folks would be like, I I just I'm sorry, I just don't see the inequalities. I mean, we're, we're at a place now where if you can just work hard and play, you know, do, do, you know, get a job, um, you know, save money, um, get married, um, and, uh, and, and get back to the community and just work hard, you can do it. And there's no more reason for, playing a victim card or trying to get a hand up. And, and, um, and so it's time, it's time for everyone to take responsibility for themselves. Um, uh, So that's some of the conversations I've been hearing recently. Um, And we actually had a guest on recently who was a a woman of color who actually just said that too. So um, where, where where, how do you deal with that and honor it and, and kind of like hear it and listen to it empathetically and start to start the conversation with, with the pushback.
2: Yeah. I was on a call last night where a woman of color Um, was saying that same thing. She she said something to the effect of, I I don't want to be victimizing myself by not taking responsibility, Uh, for which I say high five. I I think that's incumbent upon all humans. And we've mentioned nonviolent communication uh, a couple of times. And one of the essential principles in nonviolent communication is to take responsibility. For our feelings, for our thoughts, for all that 's going on that we say and do, yeah responsibility but, but what, is really important
1: in 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 that instance where we're you know we're trying to take ownership and we're trying to take responsibility and accountability how do we or or, or say how does your organization kind of address the issue for those that you know are blind to it or those that are unwilling to even engage? you know, with the conversation and say, well, it doesn't exist, or it's not here, or, you know, whatever, whatever phrase that, that, that's used, that they truly believe it. I mean, how do we, how do we impress upon others that they, this is an issue, this is of concern, and whether we see it or not, you know, if, if one's heart is closed, their eyes are not open. So, I, I mean, how does the organization use, um, um, how do they use resources and 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 stories and narratives to try and bring that that message of you know, trying to open our eyes that perhaps may have been closed,
2: yeah yeah, so so many um, layers of the answer to that question, one of them i I hope I just modeled i i've i've talked for myself about this realization of people of color having a different experience of life than I have. And this call, the question that was uh, that I mentioned last night, the question that was in play had to do with Black Lives Matter. And so this woman of color was talking about how that's not necessarily helpful to her. Well, I, I'm helping organize a chapter of Black Lives Matter in my community. And so like my natural response might be, well, yes, it is. And so what I'm, what I'm hoping I've just modeled, though, is to acknowledge and value her experience as her experience, even if it's different from mine. And even if it's different from the experience I expect she's had or people that look kind of like her have told me they've had. And so this, this idea of sort of beginning to listen to one another starts with an acknowledgement that we all bring different DNA, different life experience, different temperaments, different talents, different gifts to the table. And when we open ourselves to whatever another person has to share and give them the freedom in our conversation, even to share whatever their experience is, whatever their perspective is, whatever their thoughts and feelings are, that that can lead us toward the needs that we all have and the willingness we have to meet those needs in whatever different way we might be able to, because this kind of, Again to nonviolent communication and the work we're doing at US and I realize that's the central point of your question is well, what is us doing to enact and embody this? The Oral History Project serve this by gathering these stories that people that look like me can sit down and, and watch the and listen to stories of people who are different from us and practice our own empathy in a way that is, you know, me and my computer. I don't have to raise my objections to the person telling this story. I can just sit here and be open to it. I can talk myself through, well, surely that didn't happen. Or, you know, all those objections, I have them too. I have them too, because I was raised in this same culture. The one, the one that I learned uh, this was all settled in the sixties. Why are we still talking about this? Right. That was the message I came away from my education with. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And it's, it was only by my intention To connect in empathy, to open myself to the experience of others, to receive whatever they had to say, whether I agreed with it or not, to receive it and honor the image of God is how I would describe it in that person. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And the, the work of God in and through their life. Um those pieces are woven into the fabric of the work we're doing at USCLO, whether it's with the HBCU Oral History Project or the work we're doing to network um, churches to be able to advocate together for um, the health, healing and wholeness of people of color in the United States.
0: So, so I'm let's get to this, 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 this basic This this skill set, though, that seems like there's a tool that's needed in order for this work to happen. Um, And and that tool is uh, nonviolent communication. Right. So that's so so when you start working, if you can't if you went over to Temple Bat Hayam and started working with Rabbi and his team and the folks. um, For for one of one of the main tools you would want them to either prep or start doing is to actually work. uh, Would you give them and say, start reading Marshall Rosenberg's book and start studying nonviolent communication?
2: Yeah, in whatever sphere I'm working in, that's uh, kind of where I want to start. It's what, it, because I found that book to be so powerful and transformative for myself. And um, the, the process he lays out, really the consistent practice of it is a shift in mindset because we are so inclined to judge everything, right? And so separating our judgments from our observations is kind of the first thing he says that will make us more connective and let's talk about our observations and leave my judgments aside so if i want to talk about your hair i might observe that that you have some really beautiful hair but not as beautiful as rabbi
0: yeah i second that
2: yeah well that's a judgment
0: That's, oh, okay.
2: That's a judgment because beautiful is subjective, right? We could disagree about our context, of, of about the meaning of beautiful. And that uh, Rabbi Durbin's hair is better than yours, that's also a judgment. Now, if I can say my judgment is your hair is great and his hair is better, okay. At least I've separated what I was observing, which is your hair is darker and his hair is lighter. Do you see the difference between the observational characteristics that are talking about things I can see, hear, taste, touch, and feel Mm -hmm. versus thoughts or evaluations I have of those that are much more subjective. And it's those subjective things, ugly, beautiful, stylish, I don't know what the opposite of stylish is uh, all of these judgments and dichotomies. We can, we can uh, bring to bear on each other. That's the first step is can we separate those judgments from our observations? And you know what? We're, we're made, we're designed to be able to make judgments,
0: hmm.
2: but it's one of those with great power comes great responsibility, right? Are you going to use that for good or evil? Are you, are you going to use it to say I'm better than you? Are you going to use it to say I deserve freedom and you deserve incarceration Maybe you do, but let's let's start the conversation with what do we observe?
0: All right, this is this is good stuff. We're gonna we're at, we're on the uh, on air right now with Todd Porter COO of the of United States Christian Leadership um, Organization. And when we come back in the second half, we're going to start to dig deeper into how do we start to implement nonviolent communication into our daily walk, but also into our houses of worship um, or houses of faith, so we can start to have uh, nonviolent communications, um, especially as we get closer and closer to election day. And after that, as we know, the chaos will be stirred. But as people of faith, we want to be the people who really keep it calm and um, keep the communication nonviolent. Um, so we were going to take a quick break to hear from everyone who helps keep the lights on here and uh, and, and the the clock and rabbi's hair. Um, so all that will be coming back in the second half. Stick around here on a priest and a rabbi. <laughs>
3: You're listening to a priest and a rabbi podcast. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe and please leave a rating and a review, five-star rating and a positive review if you can. We certainly appreciate it. That is the best way to make sure that others out there just like you can find this podcast. If you want to get in contact with Father Christian and Rabbi Durbin, you can do so by emailing a rabbi at gmail.com. And the absolute best way to get a hold of the fellas is to call into the radio show. This podcast airs live on the radio every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. on WSTU 1450. And you can listen live online at WSTU1450.com. And if you want to join the show, you can call in to 772-220-9788. That's 772-220-WSTU. Hey, everyone. This
0: is Father Christian here on A Priest and A Rabbi. So happy for you to be here on this podcast with us. And I want to let you know that I have started a Uh, YouTube channel called Your Favorite Christian, and you can check it out on YouTube, and uh, every Monday I drop a new episode, and it's always through the lens of faith, but taking on different topics such as dating, relationships, marriage, pop culture. Uh, I've done one recently where I went out to the art show and talked about how do we find a relationship with God through all the what all the latest artists are doing. Um, Last week was, what do women really want um, in a man? uh and interviewing different people to be a part of that. So uh please check that out on YouTube, subscribe, like, share, uh put on the notification so you get that every Monday. Um I also want to let you know of uh we this podcast wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a generous donor from St. Mary's Episcopal Church who wishes to remain anonymous. All he asked though was that um the information gets out that St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Stewart has a healing center. And so you can call if you're looking for a counselor or someone to be there for you during a challenging time. And you call the church at 772-287-3244. We also have a group of Stephen ministers who have been trained over 50 hours of training to be with you and walk with you during a time of crisis. They are not counselors. They are trained just to be more the presence um, of, of Christ or and, and walk with you during a time of crisis, whether it's a, a good crisis of having, oh my gosh, my Daughter is about to get married, or if there's something a little bit heavier, so give us a call 772-287-3244. and I thank that anonymous donor who uh, makes this all possible. All right, God bless you, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Welcome back, welcome back, bienvenidos a la estación de radio for a priest and a rabbi, un sacerdote, un rabbi. Uh, this is Father Christian over at St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Stuart, Florida, and you welcome back to the second half. Um, next to me is the most handsome, debonair uh, rabbi, the side of the Jordan River. It is Rabbi, what's your name again? Matthew Durbin over at Temple Beth Am, and with us is a dashing, probably wins the best beard contest that we have going on right now at the station. Um, It is Todd Porter from the United States Christian Leadership Organization. Uh, We are talking about nonviolent communication and just the importance of that right now in in, in any gathering that we have right now um, in the United States. But really, since this is a Judeo-Christian show, the importance of us as people of faith to be modeling it and doing the work and the walk. So uh, you know, Todd. Uh, if I imagine this, all sounds great. Let's communicate nonviolently. Yes, if we could do that, that'd be amazing. You know, what what is really the first stumbling block that pops up? You know, that people where wh- where do we start to fail immediately in this? Is it just emotionalism, or where do you see w- with folks who are excited to do this work, and then you start working with them, you're like, ah, 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 ah. Um, wh- wh- where do we start to trip up?
2: Yeah. It's really hard to do. It's easy to explain, but it's hard to do. And part of what makes it hard is, again, back to our design as humans, like the way we're made. We we have a system that's designed into our physiology that reacts to threats and preserves life. Mm. It's great if you're in the jungle and encounter a tiger or a bear. I guess bears don't live in the jungle. They're in the woods. <clears throat> In the jungle or the woods with whatever creatures live there that might like to eat you, and you encounter them, that system that produces an immediate response of fight, flight, or freeze, oh, it's so helpful because you'd like to live. One of the challenges we face in the society we're in, I don't know about you guys, you're in Florida, alligators, I suppose, might be a threat there, here in... Yeah. Yeah. Got to look out for the pythons. So in suburban Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, there's just not a lot of those kind of predators, but there are a lot of things I disagree with. There are a lot of people who have perspectives different than mine. And it turns out that encountering those things triggers that same physiological response. And so the biggest challenge we face, I'm not even going to say it's people being overly emotional. Part of nonviolent communication is to accept all our emotions as they are and to receive them as they are and to acknowledge that there's a gift in there somewhere if I can find it. And also to realize those emotions are pointing to needs that I have that are met or unmet. And so when I'm feeling hangry, for example, perhaps some food is what that emotion is pointing me toward right and it's really easy for us to grasp this business of food air and water that every human being needs it's a little more ambiguous when we talk about needs of belonging or inclusion or love but those are just as real to thriving humanity as food air and water are even if they're easier to ignore and so Part of our process in nonviolent communication is to, to get to those and then begin to say to one another, what could I do to address the need that we've just discovered that you have? And so on my way to answering your question, we convened a group of students in partnership with several other organizations. These are students that we met through a refugee initiative. So people from all over the world and American students to get together and talk about how could they use their voice to advocate for things they're concerned about. And so we talk to them about nonviolent communication. We talk to them about this separating observation and judgment, identify the feelings that are given rise to whatever you're observing or rising from your observation, identify the needs that those feelings point to, and then ask what is it that we could do together that might bring life? So We've framed that up as the beginning part and then turned them loose in small groups to talk about what it is that that is of concern to them on a global scale as representatives th- from throughout the globe. And,
1: and, and Todd, is, is is the aim when you do these workshops and these, these uh, learning opportunities for those that are in attendance to be able to bring it back to their communities and to... Reteach or reinform or educate others um, on, a, on a on a much larger scale, or is it more to go back to communities, talk about the work that was done, and try and encourage more to you know uh, be present with um, um, uslo? Or is it you know, what's the aim?
2: Yeah, all of the above. So there is a lot of need for what we're talking about across the world, across the country. And we'd love to be involved in all of it. And also, the size of the need and the size, capacity of one organization to address all that need is not matched at the moment. And so the model I think we're going with is we're building curriculum and sort of training content that we can share with people and they can do what you described, take that content home and spread it in their context. In the meantime, Reverend Miller and I are both engaged in having these conversations, providing training, and um, doing what we can in this moment to spread the the learning we're having and the discoveries we've made as a result of it.
0: And you break down for a time when when you you went in, you guys got called in to do some work with some folks, and you immediately got some 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 it got a little hairy, uh, and how you used. Um, NVC or just the overall approach you guys use to help get people to start to just kind of listen and to practice and really start practicing and and did it turn out okay? Was was there more engagement and listening and all the, the goals that you guys have?
2: Yeah, so we've done this in all kinds of different settings and, and combinations. So we did one where we were doing a cross-party political dialogue, and you're thinking, all right, what does that have to do with race and racism? My my conviction is that the practice of nonviolent communication in any difference of opinion, difference of experience, in any difference, gives you a tool and an experience and a practice when you encounter a similarly escalating conversation to draw from and show up to in ways that bring life. So, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about the work of usclo and, and healing racism. And this is a little bit different example, but it's one where we were talking about a variety of really hot button political issues. And in this conversation convened representatives from both, um, liberal and conservative perspectives mm-hmm. and created a listening model where you just kind of rotated who's speaking and who's listening and practiced this reflective listening of, okay, I hear what you're saying. Is this right? Did I hear it right? That's kind of an observational skill. Mm-hmm. And then it sounds like you're feeling um, angry about this scenario Uh, And and by the way, I, you know, you talked earlier about, I have a fairly peaceful sort of way of showing up to things. This was not that this was over, you know, people get really escalated about, about these topics. Right. And I can too. And so uh, as we do having somebody listening that will acknowledge, you seem really frustrated. This sounds like it's out of control for you. This sounds like um, you're experiencing something, right now in this moment, even as you're talking about it, that's really painful. So being able to call attention to that. But one of the things I've learned is that we don't fully experience our emotion till we've shared it with somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so when Reverend Mm -hmm. Miller talks about how sharing stories, stories brings healing to the sharer, that's the dynamic he's observing. All right. So we're having these really escalated emotional conversations in iterations right so we're doing this for maybe uh three three hours or so that we did this and and what i can tell you is it didn't like um make them any more uh any easier it didn't make them easier right it didn't automatically like oh everybody calm down but the objective is not for us to calm down it's for us to experience whatever emotions we're experiencing
0: and how does that help when we? I mean, I, I like that quote that uh, we we haven't really experienced our emotion unless we share it, right? But how does that help in a situation that for, for this for NVC for nonviolent communication? If we can hear, do we form more empathy, or what's the what's what's the hope, hopeful outcome of that?
2: Yeah. So one of the things that happens is that is an expression of empathy to the person who's experiencing suffering. So, Rosenberg frames these emotions we we often call them positive and negative, right? So maybe joy and anger we could take as uh, you know, one we enjoy and one we don't enjoy because positive and negative are judgments of those, right? And we mm. would like to avoid judging them. We'd like to just experience them. The the key for nonviolent communication is that those are, are messages about needs. That when I am angry at the injustice I see in the world, what that's telling me is there's some need that's unmet on my part. And for me, in so many cases with respect to race, it's a need or a value of equity and fairness. The equity and fairness are so important to me that I can use the anger that arises when I see something that's unjust or fair to, to connect the dots and realize, hey, that's about this. Because if we're just having conversations about strategy, immigration is a key one, right? So there's a, a big thing in the world in the United States today about building a wall on the southern border of the United States between the United States and Mexico. The need behind that whole strategy is a need for safety. I don't want my country to be invaded from somewhere else. I want to be safe. The strategy of building a wall is one way to go about that. That doesn't meet my need for a variety of other things. My strategy I might prefer is, well, how can we alleviate poverty in places people might be inclined to invade from? How can we change our military strategies that we use in places like that that make those societies more life giving? Right. So, if we're talking about the need for safety, there's a lot of different ways we can accomplish safety. And so, to, I'm not trying to avoid your question. And I'm like <laughs> downstream from a, another one I haven't answered yet. The, the, that, the, hmm. so there's the experiential value, the, the experience of empathy that arises that we connect as a result of you expressing an emotion and me acknowledging that as closely as I can. And maybe, you know, I'm saying, Hey, you seem furious. And you might respond to that to say, no, it's not fury. Exactly. It's, um, it's, it's anger mixed with sadness. It's disappointment mixed with, there's all kinds of nuance here that that conversation serves to connect us and clarify I mean, your God, experience that, for me. Isn't
1: that isn't isn't that the message in and of itself is to recognize what that emotion is and to be able to address it and to be able to really unpack it as opposed to just leaving it at the surface level, not really going, you know, beyond the level of the surface, going deep to really have that reconciliation or that 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 awareness and that acknowledgement that you know that there is some pain or some suffering or some you know underlying um, larger, larger issue.
2: Yes, exactly. That, that these negative emotion, negative emotions are, are expressions of suffering just as positive emotions. We're taking some verbal shortcuts here that aren't consistently nonviolent, but for the sake of time, I'm going to use, and and we'll sort them out later if we need to. Um, those positive ones are expressions of needs being met. And in both cases, unmet needs, met needs, We'd like to celebrate the met ones and do something to alleviate the suffering of the unmet ones.
0: So if we were listening to, let's say, the debate the other night and they were practicing nonviolent communication, there would be a lot of, res- of responses of saying, OK, so what I'm hearing from you, Senator, is that y- y- you, know, you sound very frustrated um, over the approach to health care that's been happening in this country. And then and maybe then vice president might say, so and then the senator might say, so what I'm hearing from you, um vice president, that you have a it sounds like you have a lot of great concern over the approach of of my thoughts on healthcare or something. So there's it's it's getting more to the heart. And yeah. in that in that heart then maybe we're not just, I guess what I'm saying, does it de escalate? What's the goal? De escalation or just understanding one another or just getting us to care about one another? What, what's the ultimate goal? Because it's not like to change the other person's mind, right?
2: Yeah. So the ultimate goal is to alleviate suffering for ourselves and others and to connect my heart to ah. yours. Okay. So what I'm suggesting in the debate scenario because that's kind of an inherent oppositional sort of framing of anything. What I I wish our political system would find a way to do is to say, here are the needs that the American citizens have. And we're not talking about needs of uh, not to be taxed, or uh, we're not talking about that. We want to distinguish between needs and strategies. So we're talking about needs of safety, needs of, um, belonging, needs of food, air, and water, and can we say yes? We all have these human needs, and my approach to meeting needs for health and life-giving support with respect to the healthcare system is this. And my oppo- my opponent, if you will, or my partner in this conversation, there might be a more healthy way to view it. There approach strategy to solving that problem meeting that need is this because in reality that's where all of these political differences exist i i raise all this about political dichotomies and i, I want to get back to the question you asked me uh, a little you know about two million words ago based on my count of what i've said um yes can you give me an example of of you know, kind of where this has worked, where it's been productive. And so that example of that political conversation was really heated. And yet we all walked away from it that day saying, I've learned something here. I respect the people who engaged in this conversation with me. I uh, found this to be a life-giving experience. Even if I haven't changed my mind, I understand better what people who don't agree with me think about these things that are really important to all of us.
0: Mm-hmm. And what? And that, that's what happened at the end. That's what you saw yes, at the end yes. when you were in the midst of this right-left yes. political conversation. Yeah,
2: that okay. that was the outcome. And having those—it's so about relationship. It is about relationship and connective relationship. Because the alternative is things like we saw on the recent debates and in our political system across the board, which is people just yelling at each other and disagreeing. And. I don't know about y'all. That feels counterproductive to me. It is counterproductive. It's not meeting my need for connection among myself and the people trying to govern our country.
0: Mm. So, so this is that. Now, when that happens, and you had this right, left, and you got people to really hear one another, and there was it was much more relational. um, Then, is as your work done as sort of like the NBC moderators or do you then as a as a group do do you just try to continue to guide I mean I don't know if that was a one and done thing but if you're working with like a church so let's say you came into my church where you know we sometimes we're a purple congregation we probably more red uh, but we still have we have strong voices on on, on both sides so this is something that you continually it's like it's like a, a gym that you have to go to and just constantly just invite to keep us let's keep on doing our bicep curls of nbc kind of thing
2: yeah the center for Nonviolent communication calls their folks that they sort of turn loose in the world to teach this on a a really deep level they call them trainers and it, kind of my understanding of that is that's exactly the sense of like no your your trainer at the gym is not there to tell you right and wrong and what to do they're there to coach you through growth.
0: And so how long those relationships look like?
2: Well, so I've been a group that's been meeting over a year that's a, a nonviolent communication practice group. So every Monday night this group convenes and we find something to talk about to be nonviolent with one another. And so it it's really, you know, we have hosted events as us Clo. The ideal case though is you've got ongoing length of time because these habits of judgment of suppressing our feelings rather than expressing them i mean how many times has somebody said uh this is the workplace you leave your feelings at the door okay yeah i've taught this in corporate context as well because we're whole humans and you can say that all you want feelings follow people in and trying to bury them is counterproductive, unhealthy for the people, and destructive to the organization. There's lots of business literature about this. I don't want to dig into that at the moment because I don't want to distract any further from our application of this to dealing with anti-racism and racism.
0: So, so if one key that for we can we can um, take from this is so. I mean, one tool we really want to pick up is actually to go out and get Rosenberg's book, right?
2: I recommend it highly. Yeah. to and, and then to practice. And certainly us, Chloe, is available. I'm available to help with that in whatever way is suitable. All of our stuff has migrated online, like we're having this conversation, opens up a lot of doors. And even these nonviolent communication practice groups, you think, uh, you know, it, folks that participate in per- in person wonder, oh, can you even do that? Online, can you even make emotional connection online? And it right. works.
0: So you have done this. So if there's someone yes. out there listening to this show or to this podcast, uh, and by the way, this is Todd Porter from the United States uh, United States Christian Leadership Organization talking about nonviolent communication. If there is someone out there though, they would in in, in their congregation, you know, um, is experiencing, and I I've just got a, a rector from a big big church just reached out to me and said, listen. I cannot talk about white privilege in my congregation. I cannot talk about even racial reconciliation because just people the heebie-jeebies. So just like listen, I had to do that in corporate America to do anti-racist workshops, or um, I'm not going to pick up and, and read "Growing Up White" or, or whatever. That 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 stuff just it, it's going to everyone's going to get really irritated, or they're not going to show up. They're just not going to show up. Yeah. So you know, my, my hope is that that the folks can say, "But we can get together right now." And we could talk about nonviolent communication. That sounds like a pretty cool buzzword that's just like, well, I want more of that. And we can talk about empathic listening. And and then maybe but I don't want to do a bait and switch that we start doing that and then say, now we're gonna talk about race, surprise. And people are like, wait, what? That's not what I should do. But isn't
1: it isn't it, isn't it on how you how you frame it, how you discuss it, how you you know bring it out, you know, almost giving it a, like a little teaser in some way um that addresses the issue but I, I i mean i think i think part of the challenge too is how do we get people how do we get people moved by it to be able to you know from praxis to practice you know how do we how do we really bring that forward
0: is not yeah. practice mean practice i don't think so okay
1: praxis Means versus practice, practice.
0: One is the intent, the other is the work itself. Oh, okay. I was trying to. I'm. I'm expressing that I'm. I'm hearing you say something different than the me, and I feel that it's different.
1: Yeah, but you mute. If that's no, no, no. You may say I'm listening to you, but me as, as as you know, if I was a person of color or I was a person that was would really challenged by the situation, how do I know that you're really listening to me? Or you're just placating by going, no, 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 Father Anderson, I, I,
0: I do hear you. Well, want to be obvious. <laughs> and that's why we need Todd Porter there.
2: Yeah. The best way to find out if you've heard somebody is it's to tell them what you heard and ask them, is this what you meant?
0: Mm. Yeah, that, um, that works in marriage too.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a sense, Rosenberg's work integrates a lot of things you've heard before. And you know, that's consistent with the Council of Scripture. Nothing new under the sun.
0: That's right. Todd, this this is um really great work and we're near the end of the show here how do people find more of you we're going to put your stuff in the show notes so anyone who's listening right now can, can do it but take, it sounds like the best thing you can do is go to usclo.org com it's, dot a,
2: com. Dot com.
0: it's a great you, place to start usclo.com and you can go on there and you can read more about it you can reach out to todd or to reverend steve um, and see so if you want to do more of this work and then pick up nonviolent communication by rosenberg and and start there and start just uh, playing around with us and these guys are awesome i will tell you i'm in communication with them we'd love to have them come out to saint mary's at some point point. Uh, and they're guiding us and leading us so um listen if you, if you just tuned in check out the podcast this is important work for us to do as people of faith we need to be the models of this todd thank you so much for showing up on this show god bless you my brother and we hope to see you here very soon all right
2: and also you thank you all
0: right Indeed.